To whom much is given, much is required. Part of that requirement is sharing. Culture is the heartbeat within our lives, and it's at the core of so many things. While we live in a time when we are starving for wisdom, I welcome you to your wisdom retreat at Culture Raises Us. Grace Harry, today's guest is a dear friend who's had an illustrious 30-plus year career in the music entertainment business and is the author of her new book, The Joy Strategist, which is a major part of what she calls the revolution of joy. Um, before she goes deeper on finding her true calling, and we're very grateful for that, by the way, I would love to get your thoughts on when you hear culture, what does that mean to you? Yes. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. You're very uh, it's been so fun. You know, my dream, one of my big dreams in life is is um, making fun arts with people I love that impacts the world. So watching you uh, create this podcast and have so uh, many luminaries in our in both our lives, it just was, you know, it's kind of like this is my life. I love it. Uh, well, I've had many weeks to think about it. Nice. Uh, and it's interesting because I'm a you know I'm a sorter person. I hear something and then I kind of spread out and see that example everywhere in the planet. So I started thinking about it in a very broad way. So for me, culture is when something happens, there's an impact, there's tradition. Someone creates a tradition that resonates so deeply to such a such a, a big group of people that it becomes something they put in their, their thermos and then they take to the next. Mm. And it gets a little squished up and then takes the next. And it sustains because very much like, you know, a superstar versus an artist. When you meet a superstar, whether you think they should be, I mean, whatever your judgment is, they're just impacting. And I feel like culture is that. I also think culture is an expression. You know, I don't, there's been many, exa I play a game with my friends, just culture, the culture ref game, where we kind of make a little uh, and we put in there everything. And, you know, my soup looks wild from the outside, but it's also these pieces that have helped shape me or, or give me a ping to something that I either, either agree deeply about or don't. But it, it's something that helped me shape my own culture of things. Mm. And then I think lastly, culture is something that becomes an identity. You know, there's unspoken things. It's why do we, when I'm certain places and I see someone that looks remotely like me, there's this unspoken connection moment or that's a cultural thing. Mm -hmm. so that's um, the culture or it's a culture. So I think in the broad way, it's the things that if, if it was all just the rules, I don't know if we'd find ourselves, but culture somehow makes the little bumpers when you're playing, when you're bowling and you're a kid. So you help you get into the, I feel like that's kind of what culture is. It brings us into a place where we're like, okay, that's how I can find my people. That's how I can find my world. That sits with me. The bumpers and the thermos, I love those descriptions. And it, it, it provides clarity on your definition and your why in that. And I love that. You know, the, the, the revolution of joy and the joy strategists are very, very bold statements and labels. And there's very few people, if any, that can truly, I think, champion and kind of embody these things. But you are more than able and capable, having seen your spirit uh, over the years. What inspired you to pursue this mission, though? And how has it kind of shaped even your own life and work? Mm, I love it. Well, first of all, um, I felt like I had no choice. I've had such an amazing life in so many ways. And so many things have happened to me in my life that are that were beyond my wildest dream. I didn't even have a place to find it. And so when I got to a place where this big dream and these aspirations that 
not only were I holding for my own self, but in this successing, people pleasing, you know, uh, fear of rejection model that I was living, um, I was getting to the, part, the to peak that everyone deemed the peak. And when I got there, I felt a shame and a guilt that it wasn't filling me up in that way. I felt embarrassed or or, or wrong or something was, it's me. Um, and the truth is I just hadn't done enough work. I hadn't done enough, enough excavation to even handle these big blessings when they arrived in my life, to even know if I if they were for me or not, because I hadn't practiced me enough. Mm-hmm. I haven't really done the the loving on and wanting to help build and shape myself the way I'd done other people that I'd loved so deeply. And I really do enjoy very much being this, you know, I, I think of myself as this kind of version of the spook who sat by the door. I love to get into um, and a new experience, feel it in all the ways, and then bring it back in a way to people that I know will also resonate and grow from this. And so when I got to the, the peak of that, and as you know, you know me, there's a lot of kids involved in my life, gift children from marriages, my own children and relationships, people that I've adopted in life and never let go, which is a big topic of mine right now for all of us. Yeah. Um, I wanted to have someone to share. I wanted to let them know something. I wanted to to have the truth of my own love language in the world really be embodied within myself. And when I realized what the simplicity of that message was, and yet how having so much more information like the internet, also now we we know what our triggers are. We know all the right. things that are wrong with us. And that's a little bit the devil you know, like the little angel and devil on your shoulders, and very convenient to hold on to versus let me get to the truth. Let me open up my heart, that super scary place, and really get to the big dream. So the joy strategist is not me. The joy strategist is our hearts. We all have a joy strategist in our own heart. We just are not trusting them the way we do the, the GPS in our car. But we've got our own GPS, and so we have our own guide. But it's the reasons we don't follow. It's so hard, though, uh, Grace, because of the programming of society. And you started your descriptive or your answer based off of that, right? You were doing you in accordance to other standards, others' standards, right? And their um, image of what success and being on top of the mountain was. But what you did that was so revolutionary, even upon getting there, you decided to do the peel back up. But hold up, is this really what success and joy feels like? Yo, that's super hard. I mean, like, I don't know too many people that do that. So we, we got to unlock that for everybody because that is a major unlock to help people find their greatest version of themselves to then be a greater version of a contributor to our collective betterment. Thank you. Well, first of all, you're making me so relaxed. I feel like I jump in and throw these 500 words in each answer because there's so much in here that if you don't dissect it down, you, we lose the magic. So um, the good news is that I didn't come with a big roadmap and that was actually something I felt was my failing my whole life. You know, you have these parents. I, I glorify this, the Michael Jordan story, right? His father every day, every day outside, training him and seeing his his gift. And I never really knew what my gifts were. Where, you know, my parents were very young, so we all were just successing. We were all just trying to do our best in all the circumstances. And I created this character that my love language was me, take care of you, right? I, I wanted Indeed. to be wanted. I wanted to put that. But what they didn't give me was you have to go to this school, you have to do this thing, you're going to be a lawyer right? For, you know, to support this family, to not disgrace this family. And and I'm not even blaming them because the eureka moment for me was, oh my gosh, 
if the most important job in the universe is creating another human, right? If that's the most important job, whether you want to make one or not, being involved in the creation of one, but yet only amateurs can apply the first time. So mm-hmm. it's, I can't even really blame them because they're also getting passed down information that's not necessarily that's correct. That's right. The good news about that is I was kind of flying, you know, I was raw dog in life, whatever you right. want to say. And I was just kind of trying to figure it out. Like literally, this was bumping my head on things. Right, right. But I but I believed really early, having also watched both my parents deal with things that were so difficult and so um systematically complicated and actually make lemonade out of it and find mm-hmm. gifts in it, magic and opportunities to share and to teach and be in service. So that gave me the opportunity to create my own path. So mm-hmm. I've kind of always done this. When my mother moved to Haiti, I had to get a job and I was in a high school that had um, uh, jobs as you can get credit. Yeah. So I started leaning into the restaurants because I knew how to do that. I now had an apartment of my own. I had to pay rent. This, this is 1987. And so I just was like, I'm a chef now. So I'm going to do whatever. I'm going to be a prep. I'm going to. And so I, I always do that when I feel like I've gotten to the point of something that I've always wanted to be. And I have my own version of the top. But my top is a lot more like, have I impacted people also in, in their hearts? Always have yeah. been. Am I doing, am I getting to a point where I'm beyond my own integrity? Because now things are happening around me. That's right. So there'd be nothing more important for anyone to do. I know we're at the very end, we're going to get the seeds, but I, I'm going to say this so much. It's so simplistic. And what's interesting is the world is really pulling us further away from this concept. But to get to sp- to spend a little time every day with yourself to know who you are and how you feel and protect it at all costs. You know, if you had a child or someone and they were feeling a way, we'd know how to solve that for them. We'd know how to help them. And we'd start with an empowerment of their own self. We don't do that for ourselves. No, I feel like you're so locked into understanding you and your energy and the power of your energy that exudes beyond like so locked in. I mean, I've been around you in many instances and your energy is one infectious for sure. For, for those who are able to receive it, for those who are, because for some, it could be very intimidating. It's like, oh, whoa, whoa, a little too bold, a little too raw dog, as you call it or whatever. But for those who can, it's invigorating. It's like this, this freedom, this peace, this flow of just like, yo, enjoy this thing and tap into you and be comfortable with you. So that leads me. So how do you believe then that cultivating joy and this inner peace can impact the overall culture of an organization oh. or community. And, and, and what steps do you recommend though for fostering these values in, in a very practical everyday way? You know, it's so fun talking to you because I don't have to kind of do all the extra explanation. Mm-hmm. So we have both worked at companies that have been led by someone very creative, very passionate. And I believe we've also, and again, I'm assuming on your part from the outside in, so maybe not, but for myself, worked at companies that were very data-driven. They were about the business versus- Yeah, you got it right. You got it right. You nailed it. And so in those experiences, um, we make mistakes, things are complicated, but then the magic happens and and, and then everyone's apart. Everyone's giving you their extra. It's a top-down, bottom-up, which I love. Interns were asking- I would come in the meeting. My kid told me this, you know, we want the collective uh, to really be in the experience. Right. And then we've had experiences, right. Where we have not had that experience happen, where it's been very data, um, creative opinions, brainstorming, heartstorming, I like to call it. 
putting your passion out there, gut, how you feel, is not necessarily supported. That's right. And and so I feel um, that concept really has to be the way we start to look at, con- at companies now. Pre-pandemic, I had a lot of people um, ask me to come and take a look at their teams. It's something yeah. that I love to do and I'm very passionate about and I've done a lot in my past because when I came, when I started working in in kind of when hip hop, early hip hop was starting to spread its wings and octopus out and be other sounds and experiences from other cultures, um, I was noticing that there was an art department and a video department that would create packaging and create what I saw was the communication of all the visuals around this musical gift of this artist that different people were assuming their version of it and making things that have no, that were not congruous. I had no one presentation, like an ad agency would never do that. You know, right. switched. I know what goes on. And um, so I, I, I convinced Barry Weiss, not too hard. I mean, he was a big champion of mine that I should bring that together. The reason I'm saying all that is because I was asked a lot from then to come in and do that go to like MCA and Geffen when they were merging or other companies, because there used to be this concept, you come in and you clean house and right. you bring your team in, but that's not a way you can do life. That's not nature unless you're bamboo. I- I'm going all over, but what I'm bringing in no, here spot is, is that what I started to do with these early companies, and it was so fun because I'm from the old school. I'm 53, as you know. But these younger people in their 30s and 40s who, who felt I really understood them because I did get in there and learn all the ROIs and the, all the expressions and other things and uh, the, all the apps and technology. But what was most exciting was that they were understanding that just like this company they were building, they also had to always be building. And that's a thing what right. we don't do in business. You know, I've seen a lot of cults and, and communities and whatever you want to call them happen. But when there's a one person who knows all and it's not about the growth of everybody involved, it's not um, set up for everyone to have a voice or opinion. And of course, not, this is not, nothing can work with us all like that. Mm-hmm. But at least when you get to a point or at least in the culture or there's a way to you get the same thing you get in a relationship that you don't feed a marriage that you know one person is now talking in their head in the relationship mm-hmm. and they're assuming what you're thinking because now it's touchy and they don't want to lose the thing so now everyone's altering their behavior when everyone's deciding what it is but if, but that happens in a culture versus a culture where you know i might be not in this meeting but every thursday we get together and we kind of shoot the you know, so that is the thing is to start from a place of how you'd want your business to be as as your family and how you're going to build the business of, of me, right? Because you are an empire. Do you That's have right. an advisory board? That's right. People that are going to really come and give you the breakdown. Do you have situations in your life who are going to help you keep a healthy perspective? Do you yeah. have what's going to feed you so that the passion keeps growing and you don't get to a sophomore situation where you're either doing the same thing because you're scared, like the Nokia guy, or you're expanding into new things, even because people already know that you make the donuts. Right. And so I think that's the biggest thing. And I enjoy this new language and the new thing just because it feels more people centric, even if it's performative. I like that instead of HR, there's people ops right. or that HR, you know, I just did a conference a few weeks ago with uh, Cindy Levy and Samita and all these wonderful humans. And it was all about that. Like, how do you look now at, as Mickey Agarwal says, a lit up path, not a career path right. and yeah. start to really see that, you know, maybe Aster is not so great at, you know, sales. But Aster is going to be really great in cultivating leadership dynamics and new creative ideas, and really understanding that knowing someone's strengths and feeding it is great for the is good for the greater whole. And also, yeah, it's crazy because you know, and I'm sorry to interrupt, but no, you know, I'm going on now. Certain things trigger something. I, I remember, you know, back in the Nike days, or you know, all the 
many corporate environments, you'd always go through these reviews, right? And they would talk about your strengths and then your deficiencies. And, and everybody would always try to, how can we work on your deficiencies? We really got to work on your deficiencies. But do you really? Or, or do you need to maybe lean into the things I do really well and let's continue to do that, right? Let's continue to support that. Yeah, some of the deficiencies we could work on, but it was so easy for some to get caught up on the deficiencies because they also want to use it as a means to say, this is why you're not getting this raise or this is why you minimize you, why you're not getting this opportunity, why you're not being, right? So it, it's it's all just a an interesting game. So as I heard you say that, I had to jump in because it triggered the reminder of that, right? These proficiencies and deficiencies. And, and why not lean into the proficiencies? Like these are things you do really well. Let's give you a wider lane to do more of that. Let's give you more um, resources to do even better of a version of what you already are great at. It's just all a mindset and a choice of how you approach things. So you also mentioned music, though, it, during that. And, and music culture, I think, often holds a very profound influence on individuals and society as a whole. How has your personal journey, though, in the music world kind of shaped your understanding of the role of music in fostering joy and inner peace? This is a biggie. But uh, first, to, just to end, Kev, what you were just saying a minute ago, because it's so it's so good. I, I think when you see anything, even a, a family, a relationship, a, a school, a culture, a business that even gives micro uh, support or to, to, to create smaller co people in the company's dreams or or, you know, just fosters an idea that everybody's thing matters and that let me create little subcultures in here that. Maybe this one even mentors this one. And it's so important what you just said a minute ago, not just leaning on the negative, which is a culture in itself to keep you from feeling like you have too much room. Mm -hmm. So really feeding that, you know, that large yeast in our hearts and that real passion so that we continue to want to feed that because you don't knock it out of the park every time in anything. Mm -hmm. Sums up. So I love that. And music for me has been su such a beautiful and complicated roller coaster journey because Again, I had young parents, you know, my dad was not in, you know, it's not always living with us. And um, it was it was complicated, but music felt so alive for me. And because yeah. I, I started experiencing music, I had as my mom was young. She really she really gave me the full experience. I remember being about seven years old, I think, and we were living on Adelphi Street in Brooklyn and she picks me up and then she shows me the silver vinyl and we opened up the double vinyl, which I mean, I'm, I'm getting excited just. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There was like perforation, perforation around each stylistic. And then you pushed it through and you got a hanger and you made a mobile. That mm -hmm. you my everything. And then the Grease album package. So I just always felt like this was such a gift, you know, art, music, the experience to go outside of your reality and be in something else. And early hip hop was so great because I was, you know, I was mixed before it was trendy. I lived in Brooklyn before it was trendy. Right. Well, I a single mom before it was trendy, you know. I was a latchkey kid before it was trendy. All these things were challenging. But hip hop was so complicated at the time as well. And ska music, I feel I have a whole philosophy that I can tell you later about how music and drugs and culture really do this thing based on what's going on in the world. Mm -hmm. So it was a tumultuous time everywhere. And I remember feeling very comforted by music that was so aggressive in a lot of ways. It gave me permission to scream and release things and move things. But then it was Barry Weiss, again, I don't know why I keep quoting today, he said this thing that was so, I hated it at the moment, but he was right in some ways. He said, you love music too much to work in the music industry. <laughs> in a way, because 
I think the gift of me and what a lot of artists loved about working with me, you know, I said on before it'd be artists who would say, you know, because I loved pairing the right people. So I wasn't in every video on every shoot when I was at Island Def Jam Mercury or MCA. But they would say, can you just come by the set? I want to feel your energy. But really what that was, was I was seeing them, you know, like I, I'm really seeing you, really yeah, your creative passion. I want to get it so right for everyone that everything marries and the and your fans and the people who love you are immersed in the experience. with you. So it's been complicated to stay in that, but also understand the business model. You know, it's a big Somebody has to step. Yes, you're doing this. There's, there's a way. So it really helped me champion for artists and also lean into creativity more because sometimes we'd have an artist that, yeah, I couldn't convince the sales and the marketing department and people to give me more, but I knew they were too special to the world to for or what they were saying was too special for it to miss people and its lack of grandioseness or whatever. Mm -hmm. so really getting favors and helping different things and always upfront about it with our other artists. Can we do this together? Can we do this? Or if you're doing this job, we back this job up next to it. And so my point is music has been a gift, a guide, a teacher. It's really shaped who I am as a person. I mean, yeah. like my culture ref game, sex, 60% of that is artists and music or, or, or experiences when artists were taking music and making film. And also it was heartbreaking to really see some places where a human person who gives such a big gift is not given the mental health and support to stay present in that world enough, Ooh. but everyone's cool with not talking about it while they're making money. Benefiting. Right. And then as soon as they're not making money and they, this mental health crisis is still there and the different ways we've always seen now, all of a sudden everyone has a knee job. They're not the person, and we're all a part of villainizing them. So it's been a rocky road. Yeah, no, and that, you you talk about a nugget. I mean that that in itself is a whole other conversation of what you just brought up that requires way more time to go in. Um, but I, I look in today's society, right, where external pressures and societal norms kind of often dictate individuals' behavior. How do you personally navigate challenges of being unapologetically yourself, which you do extremely well? Oh, it's so sweet. I really don't actually do it well. I do now. It really did it fakely well before. I really didn't care deeply. It really did hurt my feelings. You know, I walk around like this toddler, like, hi, here's my toy. Want to be friends? Right. Not everybody does, you know, and not everyone understands that. Not everyone gets that. And, you know, I've gotten older, too, to realize that that's not even healthy for me, because if you have a, a circle of your in your life that's massive, you're really not ever putting yourself as the top client, your top spouse, your top mm -hmm. And so pulling back was also very, um, very fascinating. So it's really been creating this concept. I really spent the pandemic really leaning into that. You know, when I started this process, oh my gosh, the amount of, I don't even know how to say it with kindness. I'm not going to say it. Not everyone understood what I was trying to do. And right. that, to see the, what people thought about me in their offerings and their presentation. And then I had that, like, Oh, I take care of everyone. I love people. I want to help. And then, but that's not how life works. You know, I had to saturation. I had to have the team. I had to see it. I had to grow myself. Um, but there were times, you know, I remember that I had a situation in the middle of the book process. And I, I, I was so grateful to have like the many different companies want to go auction for this book, which I never knew was a thing. And then I would, leaned into a friend saying, well, how should I pick? And they said, well, the person who's the editor is going to be who you should lean into. So when there were some complications in there, um, my heart was like bleeding. Like, oh, they don't see me. They don't feel me. This is my dream is going away. Like I got all dramatic. Right. But I told Aisha, 
because she's always we'll keep it real. And she was like, well, you know what? Not everyone's going to like you. Not, ev- not everyone does. Nope. Nope. And you're not funny. This is how it went. Oh. <sighs> right. You're right. And yeah. what am I doing here? And I would say to my my child, my kids, which is always my always get it together, because what whenever I'm really ridiculous, what would I say to them? I would say you're not if you're not for everybody, that means you're really showing up for you. Mm. You can be as gracious as you want to be and you can give as much as you can. And people don't get it. You also have empathy that they're on their version of the journey, wherever they are. And even having any spiritual expectations is an ego. Mm. So I like to really get into that. And now that's my medicine. And every time I do anything, even talking to you, I was excited, my friend, but I'm nervous <laughs> because I've been the, I've been the behind person for so long. Right. And into my Angelo, she always says. That when she steps on a stage, she brings, she calls in her ancestors. And, and I also add to that my guides and everyone. And sometimes if I really need to get extra loud, people that we know who are in other realms who have a lot of personality. Yes. You know, it's, um, it's really, this is not about me. No. I, I, this is essential. That's right. Before the pandemic, people laughed at me around joy. And now the clients I have from people who are in, in 10-year marriages who can't find their way back to joy together, people who've been so... Um, kind of taught a certain concept about that who can't even access it for their own bodies. So yeah. this is really getting some inner systemic change is the only way at this point. No, let me say something. I think joy is one of the most valuable things ever. Mm. Your your joy and your peace, there's no value or number you can put on that. And so with that, by no means should you allow a circumstance or an individual to control it. Yes. Listen, no, listen, 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 listen. Look, you had an idea, but um, yeah, I, I think the other thing when you talk about this unlocking that you're, you're talking about within people, I think it also embrace embracing oneself contributes to, I think, a more inclusive and a more accepting society, right? Because now you're you're bringing in all these different types of people who are finding their true self and they're not in the programming in the boxes of what society says. What role do you see yourself playing in kind of fostering that mindset amongst your audience and followers and just people who listen to you? Yeah, I want to be that friend of yours who's you know gonna get you into trouble, but with yourself. You know, I wanna well, I wanna I wanna instigate people into realizing that we have permission because that's really where this the problem is right there. There's a lot of us who are raised without entitlement and with and I don't and that word has been co-opted like a lot of words have been co-opted, but Without the entitlement, you can't break a ceiling. You can't move. You can't go into uncharted territories. You can't try some new food, open to new music. You can't lean into things because if you don't feel it's for you at some level, no matter how much you're trying to manifest, fast, I'm so sorry, I'm going to say a naughty word. You're just <laughs> fucking yourself. So if you say, I want to be this and I'm going to be excellent, I'm going to do But then underneath, you're running a programming that says, eh, not really. You right. Know, that's not going to really happen. And Not unproductive. What do you say? counterproductive yeah and also we don't even realize where we're, where these things come from you know you have you get into columbia and then i say to you as your mom you know i still don't think you're going to do well in new york city so there's a lot of things we have to unpack and it doesn't come from someone being mean to us it comes from their version of safety their version of love um but that that's 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 the problem that needs to be i think it was jay-z that had a interview where he was talking about don't, don't cast your negative thoughts or your, you know, uh, fears on me. Like, I, I know my goals and my aspirations and what it is I want to do, so I'm not going to take your energy on. 
I mean, I'm going on this journey of making this thing happen and doing this thing, whatever that is. But again, I go back to, and you said it, the programming in our society, just it's so, so much of a burden to, to get to that place because society is programming you otherwise. Like, yeah, you're supposed to listen to, you're supposed to be fearful. You're supposed to be concerned. You're supposed to stay in the box of safety. But what's safety? Safety, I feel like, is finding your true, your true self and being comfortable in that. Yeah. And, and the truth is, what's, what is safety? It's like we're, we're using the wrong parts of our team internally. You know, mm. we're, we're running, a, we've got a starting five in here. We want to win the game of life, even inside us. And you're using brain for heart stuff and heart for brain stuff and ego just to feed brain. You're just you're you're never going to get anywhere. You're using the wrong players. You know, it's just not going to work. So the brain is your computer. It houses things that keeps us safe. It's our, it's its job. If we were still hunting lions, it would have to say, Grace, shut up. You're going to there's a deer over there. Like, focus, bring it all right here. But it can be what we're leaning into for imagination and new ideas, because it's only going to bring up information from the past. It's data driven and, and right, you know, versus our heart, which is like it's abundant and it's imagination and it's full and it's passion. The problem is, I think, that we have our first heartbreak pre-verbal. And mm -hmm. so it feels so uncomfortable. And it's like when you go back to your school, even though it looks um, it looks small now, it used to look really big. Right. Verbal. So if you're day five, let's say day five, I've been nursing you for four days and it's been love and we're looking at each other's eyes and you're feeling held and safe. Like you get the jackpot of a great life. You know, in the, in the animal kingdom of the boot camping you have to do to get on with life, you know, securing your community, learning how to walk, learning, getting food and sustenance, you're doing great. But now on day five, I get a phone call. It's bad news. I turn my eyes from you. Day yeah. six, when I'm nursing you, you're playing with my elbow. You're pinching the skin. Day eight, I'm I'm um, talking to Jaha and I'm saying, it is so cute. Every time my nurse asks her, he starts to play with my elbow. No, that's not cute. That's the first time that you are performatively working to get love. Right. You realize something happened in your perfect life that was terrible for your six days. Yeah. And lost the attention of your your feedback and your love. Mm. So this is what happens that we take that show on the road and we don't realize that I've decided now as little grace that my parents love me when I take, when I'm helpful. Mm -hmm. And so I do that and I'm a, I'm a good girl and I get the gold stars and I, but I've lost myself in there completely. And mm. now I'm the person that won't say anything to them. So I won't upset them. I'm just making up things in my mind. I want to have a mood. I'm walking on eggshells. Right. And we take this show on the road and we're, People please or be rejectionites. We're like, okay, I think, ooh, I didn't hit Aster. I was two minutes late because I couldn't have did it. He's upset. He's gonna say something to Jaha. Like I've made up this fantastical tale. Yeah, man. Yeah, the brain. And so I go back to your your computer, your internal computer that you're talking about. That's comprised of the heart and the mind. What are the principles and values or mantras? Do you have mantras that you that that are like part of your foundation? Yes, I, they change all the time. You know, when my right. mother moved to Haiti, I was 17. And uh, Latifa had a dancer named Kika. And she gave me a book because I must have looked a wreck. I mean, I was just on my own all of a sudden. And mm -hmm. um, the book was by Florence Kavalshin. It's an old metaphysical book called The Game of Life and How to Play It. And when my mom moved, I had, had my own apartment at 17. And, and I had to work. And now I'm paying bills. And I hadn't felt my that chest, that level of chest pressure and pain ever. You know, even though my mom and I were scrapping, it still was like us. Um, and so there was a, a one thing that she said that I would literally sometimes, instead of other things, I was just beyond, I would just say to myself a hundred times to fall asleep. 
and the and I really believe, and I'm hesitant always to say these because we really need to pick the ones that we feel that land in our hearts that change. Yeah. Our- Hindi. But for me, it was um, I haven't said it in so long. It's uh, I make friends with hindrances, and every obstacle becomes my stepping stone. Everything in the universe, visible and invisible, is working to bring to me my own. I would say it over and over and over and over just so I would let keeping other noise out. And then, of course, later I learned to meditate and do that. And um, but, yeah, throughout, throughout life and later on, you know, I was in the middle of a divorce and I went to started working a lot in the 12 step program. And they were t- I read something about the impact of your own voice. So I would sometimes take a, someone's mantra, affirmation or words of encouragement. Like I listen a lot to the Maya Angelou poem about, you know, uh, her one about like, you might not get me, but that's, I'm here to do a job. Mm-hmm. Say it in my, recorded in my own voice so I can listen to myself saying it. It's really a, a really impactful thing. It was almost like self-coaching. You sound like you were coaching yourself. Exactly. You know, it, a, a lot of this, we talk about success often, but really success means nothing without what you just mentioned, failures and adversity. What were some of the biggest challenges, adversity, failures you've experienced along the way and what lessons did you kind of glean from them? Like, how did it help? Because I'm sure some of them helped you get to some of these mantras. You know, at this point of my life and a big part of the book was seeing that all of them were, you know, and and I, I have a very clear memory of the kind of the things that felt the worst that ever happened in my life. And looking back through them, they really helped. I remember reading this Mad Magazine article and it was Qualities revered in a an adult, but um, frowned upon as a child, like the schoolyard bully office CEO. And so I started thinking about all of it is intention and all of it is energy. But I was dared when I was in a middle school to like pee outside in the playground. And you could dare me to do nuts, right? You could dare me to do anything. And I was like, it was the most shameful, stra- traumatic, stressful. But it was so fantastic because I was on this ride of just like we moved a lot. It was in different camps. I was trying so hard to befriend people. And it was just that day that, oh, you're, you're really doing dos muchos grace. Like you, what is going on here? And then I could think about, you know, because I'm a, I'm a 10th grade high school dropout, I don't have education past that. I got my GD when my son was 27. And, um, but I always believed I could, I could figure it out. But I've had some moments. I had my own catering company, 19, and sometimes it went fantastic. But I had one project that I, it just, everything went wrong. I felt so unprofessional and terrible. But again, it was another learning experience about partnership and having a partner and what you really need in a partner. Oh, being at Island Def Jam and L.A., a gift and a curse, right? Because he saw the magic in me and I was killing it in creative. Mm-hmm. And then he was like, great, do marketing. And my concept of marketing, creative marketing, st- structure your team. He wanted me to really come in with like ad programs and all that. Right. I would go in these marketing meetings and it was painful to watch. Like I was getting slaughtered. I slaughtered every week and uh and people would say to me before the meeting like oh you're you're back for more like you know and to me it was just you know I get a challenge and I I, I haven't I haven't hit something um and then I think the most recent one was I did all this work and I went to all these workshops and I was working on myself and I wanted to be different to myself not just like for for, for social media mm-hmm. right? like I was guilty a lot of before being the most spiritual and the most but not really feeling great um, so I was done all this work and I'd come back and I was working with this woman and uh, she just, I triggered the shit out of her. I could tell. And then of course that boomerang back and I was, a, I could feel myself old school music industry about to rev up and let her know right. what's happening. 
And I was so proud that at that moment, I felt really still and thought, yeah, this is not joy for anybody yeah. here. What I'm about to bring to this equation doesn't help anybody. That's right. And I really thought about it and, okay, what would be best for everyone's highest highest here? And then I, she was the only one of the group I hadn't met before this meeting. So I stopped the meeting. You know what? I understand how this might be uncomfortable. We've never met, but whatever the thing was. But I was so proud to see this moment that really could have been like these older moments where I, I don't know what I was proving. I think ego right. was the perfect hype human. Then in the, you know, don't let them talk to you, whatever the- Right, right, right. I was so grateful to see my own work and my own humanity and understand what really needs to happen is, I don't know if you've read the four agreements. He talks about everyone with the pain bodies, like their arms are just raw skin. Okay. Each other with these pain bodies. So I was grateful to see that, but I wouldn't have seen that. Or even, I've been divorced three times. Yeah. I don't want that to be the legacy of my children. They do as you do, not as you say. And so right. really, really looking at all those relationships, you know, I'm so grateful that they all were happy for these calls, but I spoke to all of them during this process. And when I was bringing things up and seeing them that were mine to own and not so fun to own, um, it was beautiful to have those horrible moments, but also have them really be uh, willing to be a part of those conversations and, you know, part of that growth. So I think all of them. Yeah, but is, there's so much strength in transparency and vulnerability. And I think that that was reflected in what you just talked about, right? The speaking these things to those dear to you um, and even being, you know, speaking to the fact of getting slaughtered in those meetings, right? And understanding that maybe that wasn't the best fit, but it was still a growth opportunity. And I, because I, I keep telling, you know, when, when people come and ask for advice, I say, look, the first thing I say, which I wish I would have done earlier is welcoming adversity. Embrace it. I used to want to run from it. And I used to be like, yo, why is this happening to me? This is so whack. I didn't do anything to deserve this. Why me? And now it's like, why it's happening for me and not to, right? I got that understanding. So I'd like that as many people to get that understanding as early as possible because their growth trajectory thereafter is going to be way higher than that of my, yeah. Because when you start embracing adversity, like, oh, this is just, this is another lesson. This is another growth opportunity. Just imagine how much you can go through and not get stuck in the why me. Well, you think about people work out, right? I work out and I mean, I went to this trainer you sent me to, so now I'm calling you bragging, complaining that I can't sit down in the toilet so my thighs hurt. So we, we sign up for work in some areas. We really do get that there's work. But I think it's that pre-verbal heartbreak with our first parent situation that feels so immense. But the thing I say to people is even if you think you're, you're avoiding the heartbreak or you're avoiding the confrontation or you're avoiding, you're just avoiding life because it's going to come around in something you love anyway. Yeah. It's all the same. And on top of it, you know, I see these people who, who we get into relationships, a lot of us, or even if you buy something new, you love this thing. I love this thermos. I'm never going to use them. Put it up at the shelf. That's not helpful. No. So much. I'm going to ruin it. That's right. We only do one of those two things, a relationship with everyone. Everyone around us we're in an intimate relationship with, whoever you're commuting with, your children, your partner, your friends, your employees, your company, whatever. Mm -hmm. So realize that if we don't get back to a baby talk where I say, you hurt my feelings, and you say, well, I hear that, I'm sorry. Like, if we don't get back there, then we create, it's going to end anyway. Because mm -hmm. now I'm talking inside my head, and the, the dynamic I said before, and we're going to create a thing that's going to change our energetic thing around each other. And then all of a sudden, we're having the fights. I don't even recognize you. Who are you even? I don't even know you. 
mm-hmm. or I can't make you happy. All these grand gestures because they're true on a very subtle body level because we keep not saying the thing, but saying the thing with our expressions or our lack of emotion because we're protecting our own hearts. That's right. That's so if right. we can just like be braver, if we all are trying to be these brave people, then, you know, I, I learned recently that um, the word courage, yes. the word cur in it. And so the original translation of courage was bravery to tell the truth of your own heart. That's profound. That's super profound. Of your own heart, like your of your own heart. Well, listen, Grace. So the the the, the opening scene to your life documentary is about to start. The Grace story. What song is playing and why? Um, it start. Uh, the first song that came to my mind. I'm going to say it because I have to. Please. But it's Ali Farquet Tore, the song called Ruby. Okay. Because it's such a beautiful, but also sad, but bewitching and sexy song. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I really feel like that concept of that life is always up and down. It's always yeah. a roller coaster. It's always the high peaks and low valleys. It's always. But if we could just find that balance within ourselves. Um, but I think people make the world go round. Ah. kind of more sums it all up I, I really feel like we all we are is a bunch of stories yeah. whether you think it's woo-woo or not to talk about energy you've been someplace where you've walked in and you felt like eh, this is not for me so if we could be the chief energy officers of our own lives and make how we focus on energy the number one thing then we're always impacting this energy to each other you know, we're always giving this gift of my delicious energy so that I'm not putting my stuff on you and then you opportunity to work on your own self. Yeah. Chief energy officer, I wrote that down immediately and it resonates with me because more than ever in my life, I'm in a place of energy is another one of the more important values um, in things that I, I gravitate to or not allow around me. Because I know the power of energy, I know the power of the energy I give off. I know the power of the energy that I can also receive. It's consumption. It's like consumption, right? I'm I'm cognizant of the things I eat and drink. It's the same thing with energy. I'm so in tune with that. If the energy's not right, I'm not doing it. And I'm unapologetic about that because I value my energy and I value the energy that I want to receive. So that's self love. Oh, listen, I'm, I'm all the way loving myself right now. It, it on 1000%. Um, so now the seeds, the three seeds you've given so many, but I, I would love to hear your thoughts on what three seeds would you give the stewards of culture moving forward? The three critical things. Yes. I mean, you really set that up beautifully with how much you were talking about energy and loving yourself because Again, we're in another one of these catchphrases, self-love and, you know, everyone wants to be the boss and everyone wants to run their own life and run their own thing and everyone, right? But we're not really doing that because we're not treating ourselves. Like if you're really a goddess, if you're really a king, then it's not just like grinding yourself to the ground and it's really making sure that you treat yourself like you are so special. Treat yourself, making yourself the star of your own story, you know, black excellence or all these new expressions that people are saying where it's all about them being, uh, my daughter said the day that my generation was work hard, play hard. 
and her generation is um um i'm watching it up but it's like work a little and play a lot or something yeah yeah but yet people our generation especially we don't do that no no we don't we don't know ourselves right and so we could just realize that if you don't run the day the day runs you if you could start your day every day just for like 30 seconds to a minute really filling yourself up you're gonna have a different life just yeah. that you know if you wake up in the morning and it's hard because you know forget grabbing your phone the worst because you're literally on someone else's ride immediately if that's the first mm-hmm. thing over and then it'll be four o'clock grabbing some sugar beverage because you're not getting the sweetness in your body so you're trying to fill it up some other way and but if you could just you know roll in the sheets say thank you for three things that happened yesterday or that already you feel good about this morning or all you have to yourself is you've taken a shit moment, then put a little pad next to your thing, write jokes, listen to jokes. That's right. Laugh, sing something. It's so important, especially where we are right now with mental health, mental, uh, mental health, uh, mental health issues. Mm-hmm. It's another thing that we've done where we've co-opted it. And we think the only way to that is these long, luxurious days off or spa day or yoga or meditation. But that's not true. Mm-hmm. We did one thing that when we did it, we felt better. Or if you love to dance, one song a day. But just really realizing that whatever makes you feel actually delicious in your own body is the the number one way to start your day, your life, your reality. And and and, and getting the truth of that. Mm. Get the truth of that being your ritual, you know, and, and gifting that. It's like going to the airplane and putting your own mask on first. first. That was crazy. But if I don't have oxygen, everyone else is going to die too. Not everybody else is going to die too. Let me say something great. The joy you poured out today, um, I'm so grateful for. I've always loved your spirit, and I'm just thankful that you are sharing this with many more people. And I hope that you continue to be unapologetic and bold about it, regardless that it's not the mass, it's the minority. Look, the sun only shines, light only permeates through a lot of darkness. I thank you for being a light. Thank you. We truly appreciate your support because it helps us fulfill our mission of promoting cultural awareness and personal development. Please click the subscribe button below to help ensure and solidify our mission.